Hello, I'm Bonnie Snowden, ex-corporate person and mother turned successful artist entrepreneur. It wasn't that long ago though that I lacked the confidence, vision and support network to focus on growing my dream business. Fast forward past many life curveballs, waves of self-doubt and so many lessons learned and you'll see Ignite, my thriving online coloured pencil artist community. A community that changes members' lives for the better and gives me freedom to live abundantly whilst doing what I love and spending quality time with my beloved family and dogs. All whilst creating my best artwork with coloured pencils and mentoring others to do the same. But this life wasn't always how it was for me. It used to only exist in my imagination. I've created the It's a Bonnie Old Life podcast to help increase people's confidence, share mine and my community's experience and hope through fascinating personal stories, champion the other amazing humans in my personal, professional and membership community and create another channel through which I can support others to realise their dreams. If you're a passionate coloured pencil artist or an aspiring one who's looking to create their best work and a joyful life you love, you're in the right place. Grab a cuppa and a custard cream. Let's get cracking. So welcome to uh, this week's podcast. I'm doing a Q&A this week um, on questions that people have sent me about their art, about setting up a business and everything. And I just thought it'd be quite a nice um, a nice thing to do as a podcast, just to do a, a little bit of a Q&A, give you a bit of information um, around, well, anything that anybody's asked me, basically. Um, so I'm going to start off with some, some colour uh questions and and this one here is what's the best color recipe recipe for deep chocolate brown this is quite an interesting color i have to say and obviously there are thousands and thousands of color pencils loads and loads of different makes of color pencils and lots and lots of different hues and shades for me my personal favorite is um or my personal favorite recipe is using a a combination of browns reds and blues particularly for like a, a deep chocolate brown i find that chocolate browns actually do have quite a lot of blue in them and and actually when we look at anything it has a spectrum of color in there and and a lot of the time um colors are missed out and we end up having things that either become too warm or too uh, uh, or too cool so if you look at a, a a black dog, for example, many, many people use lots and lots of blues in their black dogs. It's, it's a lovely, lovely colour to use under black to create really, really rich colours. However, what tends to happen is we go a little bit too far with those blues and the dog becomes a blue dog. And if we're talking realism, we really do want to get the blacks coming out and many people are a little bit scared of using black and actually with colour pencil it's a very very useful colour to use it darkens everything it brings out the richness on its own it's flat but used with other colours it's brilliant so the best my best recipe for for a deep chocolate brown i would start with something like um a walnut brown a polychromos walnut brown i put that down as a as a as a layer and then I would incorporate into that Caput Morton Violet and Dark Indigo. You've got some lovely warmth then from the from the Walnut Brown and the Caput Morton Violet. And you have the richness that comes, comes through from the Dark Indigo. Because those two other colours are very ready, they're very warm in hue. 
Um, you're not going to get any sort of sludgy greeniness that you would get if you mixed it with something that was a little bit more yellowy. You've got to be quite careful when you're mixing your coloured pencils. We mix them on the paper. Um, not to kind of bring blues in with your oranges and yellows if you're not wanting green, basically. Um, so that would be my, my best recipe. I would also then kind of sneak in on the odd occasion, just, you know, if you've got like a very, very rich chocolate brown but you've maybe got a few highlighty bits in there i'd sneak in a little bit of um, burnt sienna is a really good one to bring in there again it's quite a, a warm ready color and then i bring in some blacks over the top just to deepen areas but that would be my favorite recipe for a uh, deep chocolate brown um i've got another question here so which pencils do i use um i i like to use all of the pencils um <laughs> uh, but i have my absolute favorites so it's very difficult for me to say which is my which are my favourites, uh, because I I tend to have um, certain certain particular pencils that I absolutely love and I really wouldn't want to be without. But I think at a push, I'd have to say if I could only own one set of pencils, I think it would have to be the Faber Castell Polychromos. It's a really good set of pencils. They're generally highly light fast. They've got a fantastic range of greys, really, really good range of um, those animally light colours. And they work with most other brands of pencils as well. So my polychromos are a definite favourite. Luminance, again, I don't think I could do without. When I first got, when I got my first luminance, I didn't really understand what all the fuss was about. People were saying, oh, they're the Rolls Royce of pencils. They're absolutely amazing. And I didn't really kind of get what, what it was all about because to me, they were a bit weird and they didn't really work like my polychromos do. And actually that's because all pencils are different. Even pencils within the same brand are different. And you just have to find out the best way of being able to work with them. Um, so the luminance are relatively soft, really good for blending, and they have the most fantastic colours. Now, colour for me isn't an important factor as such, but when you're looking at bringing in subtle shadows into like an orange you know chestnut horse or you know some kind of an orangey chestnutty animal the colors that the luminance range have particularly the violent the violent the violet toned ones are perfect and i haven't found anything really that that is as good as them the 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 don't light fast um have got some pretty good hues in there. But I, I find that the Dermot Lightfast pencils don't always work. They don't play particularly well with my other pencils. So I, I tend to leave those, if I'm going to use them, that it'll be quite sporadically. Um, whereas the, the, the Polychromos, the Luminance, and then the Pablos, again, uh, a pencil that I use uh, very often, they are again a, a really super super pencil they're quite velvety when you lay them down on the paper they've got good coverage they've got generally good light fastness you have to be a little bit careful they're not they're more of a i wouldn't say they're a student grade but they're not nearly as high quality as the as the luminance but they have some really really special colors in there the granite rose that i use um, all of the time uh, the cocoa another really great color and they're just 
they lay down on the paper very, very nicely. They're a good, they've got a really good, rich pigment. All three of those pencils I use on a regular basis. And then I pop in um, the Caran d'Ache uh, Museum Aquarelles. I love those, but I use them dry. I don't use, I don't use them wet. Uh, I like, I love the white and I love some of those more sort of earthy tones in that range. I think they're great. And then I also love the Derwent drawings. They're the, they're the really big, fat pencils very very big fat core very soft and their black their um, ivory black is the the blackest black is a fantastic black really really good pencil so those are the those are the brands that i use on a on a regular basis so this is an interesting um question are base layers always necessary and i guess what i would say is well whatever layer you put in first is going to be your base that's probably being a little bit pedantic but um, I'd say no, they're not always necessary. When, when we're creating something or when I'm creating something, I will lay down a base of colour um, and those will be my base layers. Those are layers that don't have any details in them. They're purely down to get my uh, tonal values down in there, the, the idea of hair direction um, and, and colour. The details then come on the top of that. I'll work the details in once I've got those layers in. Now, depending on what surface you're working on, it may be that you actually need to have quite a lot of base layers down first before you start putting your details in. Or it might be that you just need one layer down before you start putting your details in. So if we look at pastel matte, which is my favourite surface, I use it for the, the majority of my um, commission work and... I, I do have a lot of tutorials with the uh, on the pastel mat. If we look at pastel mat, you well, it depends on the quality of the pastel mat that you've got, and the quality can change. Um, I use the board, and it tends to be smoother, which I love. But you still have to get quite a few layers down if you want some really really nice fine details. Uh, but Again, depending on the subject that you're drawing, if I'm drawing a white animal on white paper, then I might not need an awful lot of base layers. I might, I could just go straight in with detail if I needed to, if, if I was using lighter colours um, and, and my surface was quite smooth. So in that respect, I don't really need a huge amount of layers. However, if I was working on a white dog on a dark piece of pastel mat, I would need a lot of layers to go down to cover the tooth, uh, to get all of those values and everything in, and then I can go in and bring all of those details on the top. If I'm working on drafting film, um, I might be able to just go straight in with the details because there's no tooth to speak of on the drafting film and I could just go straight in uh, with my details. So you might not need base layers in there at all. And the same is for sort of hot press. I find that base layers are quite important on hot press. Again, it might feel smooth, but there's still quite a lot of tooth in there. So getting those base layers in is more about covering that tooth, creating a really good tonal um, sort of base that you can then bring your details in on the top. And then we've got, um, where's the best location to sign your art, front or back? Definitely the front. Definitely the front. If you're signing your art on the back, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be questioning your belief <laughs> in your own work. Um, you know, if you're putting your, your name on the back, 
why are you doing that you need you need your signature in there you need it uh, so that people can see that you've done this fantastic work and you need to be incredibly proud of it so always always on the front a little tip when you're if you're not quite certain where to put your signature um if you create your signature on a piece of acetate so just get a, like a, a you know a clear piece of acetate and and draw on it with like a sharpie or something and put your signature on there normal size that you would usually do then if you've got a drawing and you're thinking oh I'm not quite sure where to put my signature bring the acetate onto the top watch that you don't have any static because you don't want to pull any of your um you know your pencil off or pastel or anything like that and you can just slide your uh, piece of acetate over the top of your drawing and you can work out where your signature fits best um okay this is a this is a funny one <laughs> how are you able to manage a lot of pets i'm i'm a, i'm making an assumption that you're talking about my dogs and my cat um but how do i manage them they're 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 just part of the family they're they're there all of the time they're all here now all fast asleep they know as soon as i come in and i get my microphone out and everything they just go to sleep um they're they're part of my family i absolutely love love my dogs um they and people might not agree with this or anything like that but they all sleep on they sleep in in my bedroom um and in when i wake up in the morning they're all on the bed and i'm squashed out at the side of the bed um and i never used to have my my dogs in sleeping in the same room as me and then when we got vincent um <laughs> It was just a nightmare and he wouldn't he wouldn't sleep downstairs and he was screaming and howling and everything and I was just like oh my god I'm just gonna put him on the bed and I put him on the bed the, the second night I think because we'd had the most horrific night um and he wouldn't go in a crate um I'd never crate trained dogs before and then when we got slipper we crate trained her because I had quite a um a reactive rescue um Zach if anybody remembers him um and I, I needed slipper to be safe if we went out or anything like that um so we crate trained her and she loved her crate she really loved her crate and she was very happy in there um oh gosh apart from the times you know when they end up sort of pooing in the night and they don't tell you and then it goes everywhere and they're just sitting there in the morning you know like the babies who go into their nappies and smear everywhere <laughs> slipper was like that anyway um so when we got when we got Vinny, i was like he tried to put him in a crate oh my god honestly he's the stiffest dog in the whole world it's like he's just like got rigor mortis um so we couldn't get him anywhere near a crate so i ended up just putting him on my bed and um and he just slept he didn't he didn't get up in the night or anything he just cuddled up and he just slept on the bed and by that at that point he was a little puppy now he's a 40 kilogram um enormous dog uh, i mean really tall he comes up to just above my waist um and it takes up the whole of the bed but there's no way i could put him anywhere else because he just he he just shrieks um so yeah so they all sleep on my bed so that's how i manage them they're always with me um and and I love that. I, I absolutely love having them with me. I, I, you know, it's brilliant. And Peggy the cat, she's very easy. She's a house cat. She's always been a house cat. I'm quite happy she's a house cat because we've got quite a busy farm road in front of us and the neighbours sort of three down lose quite a lot of cats on the road. So Peggy's a house cat. She's got the whole of the house to roam around in. Uh, basically lives on the kitchen table um, and, and sleeps most of the day. <laughs> 
um but um yeah so she's no she's no trouble uh, apart from when she's sick and what have you but um yeah so that's they're very easily easily managed the 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 girl the girls slipper and nelly they are group they go to the groomers every sort of five to six weeks we keep them quite short they're newfoundland cross um standard poodle so they they their hair gets very long it doesn't shed but um it can mat quite easily um so they their their hair is kept quite short which they're they're very happy about um so yeah um yeah they're they're all they're all very happy dogs and i I love having them around um okay next question um how do you draw the graphite outlines freehanding or with graphite paper okay so there's a there's a uh, there's an awful lot of different ways to be able to get your outline down. If you want to work with an outline, there are a lot of ways of being able to do that. You can buy transfer paper. Um, I used to use something called Trace Down. Um, it quite, I find it quite messy and I find it a bit, I don't like it on my fingers. I don't, it's one of the reasons why I don't really like pastel. Uh, I can't use pastel anyway because I'm allergic, but it kind of gets on my fingers and it goes a bit it's a bit weird feels a bit weird and it can be quite messy but it's a good way of you literally put a print out your transfer paper the paper that you're going to be using on the bottom and you can just trace around if if that's what you want to do um you could just print something out put graphite on the back or pastel on the back flip it over and trace over that so that transfers it you you could um a lot of people will freehand their so what i wouldn't recommend is taking an expensive piece of paper freehanding your if you're going to freehand an outline freehanding your outline on the expensive piece of paper i wouldn't recommend that because what's going to happen is you're going to do a lot of adjustments it's going to be a lot of rubbing out i don't know anybody who can just do a perfect outline of everything just just like that i I mean if you can you're amazing um usually there's a lot of adjustments there's a lot of measuring to try and get everything in the right places um, so what I would recommend if you're freehanding an outline is to do it on a separate piece of paper that's not an expensive piece of paper. Do all of your adjustments and you're rubbing out, get it perfect, whatever, get it to the way you want it to be. And then you can then transfer that onto your drawing paper. So then you can put a piece of transfer paper underneath that or you can put your graphite or your pastel on the back of of your actual drawing that way you're not ruining your lovely expensive piece of paper with lots of rubbings out now when i freehand i don't freehand an outline i don't i don't naturally draw an outline i start with the eye and i work out that's how i freehand and i i kind of measure as i go um if I'm freehanding, I'll use wing dividers um, and I'll just use my eye. And that's kind of how I, I tend to work naturally. And that's how I did all of my first, probably my first year of pieces was done like that. And then I found it, obviously, when I started teaching, it was much easier to, that's a very difficult way to teach. So I find it much easier now to have an outline created that we then colour in (laughs) and of course we don't colour it in because we have to be able to draw we have to understand perspective we have to understand all of the different elements and how an animal works and values and and you know everything like that so anybody who who sort of thinks that you can take an outline and then just colour it in and end up with a masterpiece um yeah no you're not you're wrong (laughs) um so now what I do is I actually create my outlines on um on an iPad so I'll create a digital outline that I can then give to my students as a JPEG and they can then use that if they wish or they can create their own 
Um, but um, and then then what I'll do is I will project that outline for me to start my drawing. So I will now start with an outline. Um, it's quite a basic outline. I, I tend to rush it. If I'm if I'm putting an outline down on a on a piece, doing a piece now that's 11 by 15, it took me about five minutes to put my outline down. There's bits missing. It's all sort of pretty vague. Um, and then, uh, you know, obviously I kind of work freehand and with my eye when I'm when I'm um, when I'm colouring it in, if you like. Um, yeah, so that's that's what I do there. Um, and then um, <laughs> I've got a question here from <laughs> from, uh, from Sally. You're either sickeningly organised or I'm in a month warp. <laughs> so I sent this out in August to say that I was putting this podcast out in September. Um, sickeningly organised. Um, I am a, such an unorganised person, it's unbelievable. But to run a business, I'm, I'm really understanding why it's so important to be um organized um because actually being organized allows me to have much more free time and this is something that i've been working on i've i've battled against um but i totally understand why i need to be more organized so my diary now i have probably about 90 days worth of stuff in my diary in the future all planned out as to what i need to do now Funnily enough, I had a um, a Facebook comment this morning from somebody saying, can you let me know what all of the tutorials are in the future so that I can plan for pencils and papers and everything? And that is something that my brain refuses to do and, and I refuse to do. I am not organised when it comes to choosing tutorials. I don't go, right, for the next 12 months, I'm going to do this, then this, then this. That goes against everything that my head is so for me that choosing my tutorials is like um, a spontaneous thing it's like uh, either I see a fantastic photograph or I'll somebody will say something I think oh that's a great idea let's do that and and actually that's how I want to keep my tutorials very very around the creative thinking um, so I'm never going to be organized around the tutorials some of my challenges that I do the free challenges and everything I do organize those I've got um the next sort of three challenges kind of worked out as to what I'm going to be doing there but when it comes to my tutorials I let those be stay in that creative space which is quite good um okay so this is an interesting one the first day you started to draw were you nervous or apprehensive how to draw <clears throat> So I think I put, yes. So the, the first piece I did was for a friend, um, for their dad. And I had been using coloured pencils in my colouring books. So I started off with adult colouring books and I really loved them. And when she asked me to do a portrait, I did it in graphite because I was too scared of doing something in colour. So yes, I was a bit scared. But then actually, once I did that, and it turned out okay, I was like, Oh, hang on a second, I'm, I'm, I love my coloured pencils, let's see what I can do with my coloured pencils. And that's kind of where it all sort of started from. There were very basic drawings that I did, there was not a lot of value or um, detail or anything like that. And yet I was incredibly proud of what I was doing. So um, yeah, I was apprehensive, and I was a little bit sort of intimidated and scared. But I think 
you know, once I'd sort of got that first one down, I was I, I, I became a little bit more confident and then sort of, you know, jumped straight in. Um, okay, so let's have a look at another one. <laughs> so this one's from Tony O'Connor. How do you deal with exhaustion? Um, when can one actually stop? Is this it until we die? <laughs> Um, so that's a really great question. And that kind of goes back to the organization side of stuff. Uh, if you're very, uh, if you're a little bit like me and you're sort of more spontaneous and you're a little bit less organized, it, it's, it's quite a battle to become organized. And it almost feels like you're squashing your creativity to be organized. Actually, it's the exact opposite. Me being, and when I talk about me being organized, I talk about, uh, my my social media, I tend to just do sporadically. So, you know, I don't really follow any timings or anything like that. If I've done a piece and I want to post something, I'll post it. If I have an idea, I'll, I'll write the idea down and I'll post it. There are certain things that are scheduled. So there are certain things that are scheduled, like the podcast um, uh, uh, posts, they're all scheduled. Things around the academy, they're all scheduled. Um, and I quite like to have that mix of scheduled and just, you know, spontaneous. When it comes to creating my any courses or having, um, you know, so say if I'm going to I'm, I'm going to be creating a new mini course very soon, which is in my this super simple sort of area. So I've got my super simple color pencils, which is that very, very basic color pencils for beginners. My next one I'm hoping is going to be super simple uh, marketing for uh, artists just beginning to, you know, wanting to to make a living or start making a living or you know um so something like that I would need to carve out quite a lot of time to be able to create that it's not just me going right I'm just going to sit down this weekend and create <clears throat> create a, a course I actually have to block it all into my diary I have to do the the um the mind mapping beforehand I have to look at right so what are my modules going to be like I've got to do this I've got to do that I've got to do the other get those all in the diary and then they're all scheduled in I can then do those and I'm not I'm a very last minute sort of person and if they're all scheduled in properly I can I can go to my diary and go right this is what I'm doing today off I go and I do it which then means that that's done and then I've got time to go and do what I want to do and I'm not always sort of scrabbling around thinking oh gosh I've got to do this I've got to do that and I think dealing with that with that the exhaustion and sort of merrily working away every day it can be really really exhausting but actually if you look at properly scheduling scheduling time off you know I have a, my Fridays are always free um, I, I'm putting my swimming in um, I put it in my diary so that I, nobody can then put something else in there. Um, and I think that's really, really important to make sure that you've got things properly planned. Um, I will delegate wherever I possibly can. And I think that for me is a is a bit of a game changer because it means that I can do stuff that I want to do outside of my outside of the business. But it also means that I can draw and I can work on pieces that I want to work on um, whilst not having to always be dealing with emails and all of that kind of stuff. <clears throat> For a an example around emails, you know, people say, oh, I'm bombarded with emails. 
I actually have somebody who works for me three hours a day who picks up all of my customer service, emails, all of that kind of stuff. They are flat out. Um, And then I still have to pick up emails when they're not working. So sort of in the evening, early morning, that kind of thing. We get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails through from um, people asking me about colors people asking me about you know what do you think of this drawing to I can't log into the academy to um all of the uh you know if somebody's payment has failed or if somebody wants to upgrade from monthly to annual those are all of the things as well that we have to do I could not do anything I couldn't do any drawing if I had to do all of that side of stuff as well as my drawing I would literally be just be doing customer service each and every day so it was important for me to be able to delegate that side of things so I can actually do what I'm really good at and that's the the drawing and the teaching so I think delegation is really 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 key here and being super organized um how do you get over the hump and stop procrastinating uh okay so i'm i'm quite a big procrastinator i have to say however um what i find really works for me again i really like ticking things off i really like to see things ticked off done that done that done that so i make sure that i have little tasks put into my diary every day even if it's like you know pay this bill or um you know create a podcast create this podcast for example or make sure that you post this on social media tick if if i can tick things off i find that much much easier and if they're in very small incremental um times within my diary then that's much better as well um you know if i've just got something that's just a line of text saying you need to do this and then I just click on, t- you know, complete rather than having like a big block that takes up a whole hour because psychologically I'll look at that and I'll go, oh, my gosh, I've got to pay that bill. But it's in there for a whole hour. I mean, how long does it take to pay a bill? About five seconds, <laughs> you know. So that's why I use my reminders and my tasks an awful lot because they're much smaller and I can actually tick them off. I can see that I've done them. That really, really helps for me for the, with the procrastination. Getting over the hump. Um, I would say if anybody is sitting there thinking, oh, I've got, I've got artist block. I can't think of what to draw. Oh, I can't, can't bring myself to do any drawing anymore. I just want to say to you, it's not about the drawing. It is not about the drawing. There is something going on in your head that is stopping you from being creative. And actually... Being creative will help whatever it is in your head that's stopping you. So if you're sitting there thinking, I can't draw, just get a colouring book, do some sketching, anything that's just going to free your mind a little bit, because that will then enable you to to actually um, work out what it is that's stopping you. And I will almost guarantee um, artist block is not about your drawing. It will be something going on in your life in your head that's stopping you um a lot of it is perfectionism and you know what i feel about perfectionism perfect doesn't exist and if you're sitting there trying to get something perfect you're never going to get there just um it's really hard but you just got to stop being perfect and start enjoying being creative um you know and and that will that comes from having a a really good mindset so you know practicing these more positive ways of thinking um the more you practice something the more it's going to become normal 
And I find listening to, to really great, inspiring podcasts really helps. Of course, we can't be positive all of the time. We can't, you know, sit there and just be like, you know, <clears throat> of course, there's going to be things that happen that kind of bring you down a little bit. But the more the more you live a joyous life and you're you you love what you're doing and you're you you can you're just happy in time and space at the at the this moment in time the more you're going to be able to cope with all of those things when it um when they go a little bit um you know pear-shaped um how do you ship safely as a new business and then in brackets on a low budget oh my goodness so shipping shipping overseas from the uk now is a total um well it's a bit of a minefield but it's really expensive um i tend to use a company called transglobal express you can pick your carrier then and they've got a really good customer service shipping safely is all around your packaging so try and make i ship all of my work mounted so or matted so it's got that big thick window around it and it's sturdy um make sure that you've you've got if if you're sending it like a sheet of paper say you've done something on hot press paper and you're you're not having it mounted and you're sending that make sure that that goes in some kind of a protective envelope um something that's got hard either side you then need to kind of bubble wrap that you then need to make sure that it's in a um, a box or cardboard that is not going to be able to be bent you know you need the really good thick people use the um Oh, what do you call it? That soft, uh, I can't remember what they call it now, the soft board stuff. Um, and, and actually that can break, foam board, that's it. Um, I, I, that can actually break, if you snap it, that can break. So I wouldn't do that. Never, ever, ever, ever have any kind of ribbon or um, anything that if something presses on your package the ribbon then squashes down onto your portrait and creates a mark across it. Never have anything like that anywhere near your portrait. If you're going to put a ribbon on something, make sure your portrait goes in a solid box and put the ribbon on the outside so you can't get anywhere near the portrait. Um, People like to use really fancy packaging. I don't use fancy packaging at all. For me, the portrait is what somebody's getting. Yes, you know, some people like to have all of this lovely tissue and all of that kind of stuff. For me, it's just an extra expense. It's extra waste. Um, and I hate packaging, so it's not something that I'm, I'm particularly interested in. You can go down that route if you want. It looks really lovely. But just make sure that your your portrait is the most important thing. Don't have anything near it that is going to damage it in any way at all. Um In in which order should you do everything? What's a big yes? You have you have to have this in the in the place in the first place. So I think this is around business. So um, in which order should you do everything? Okay. So if you were going to start a business, you you you're starting your drawing. You're thinking, do you know what? I'd really like to make a living out of doing commissions for people. What's the first thing that you should do? The first thing you should do um actually if you're going to be starting a brand new facebook page is really think carefully about what your name is going to be because it's quite difficult to change it after that once people know who you are then it's quite difficult to change it so i would do a lot of thinking about what name you want to call yourself you don't need a logo or anything like that to begin with 
um, you know, not really necessary. Um, but make sure that your Facebook page bio is properly set up. Make sure that you have got links to a website if you've got the got one or contact detail if you're not using a website. Make sure your everything, your um, all of your personal details are all set up properly. Um, and also, if you've been using your personal Facebook page and you're now going on to a Facebook, uh, you know, a business page, make sure that you've got a link through from your personal Facebook page to your business one. So that, again, if you're posting somewhere as you personally, if somebody wants to contact you, they're going to go onto your Facebook. They're going to click on you, go onto your personal Facebook page. If they can't see any of your drawings or where to go, you've lost them. So make sure that everything's really, really easy to find. And the same with Instagram, if you're setting up an Instagram. And then what I would do is I would make sure that you're posting on a regular basis and ensure that your content is really good. Don't ever use um, links out of social media. You can on the odd occasion, but use the Pareto rule, that 80-20 rule. Really, really concentrate on um, creating good content, really good content. Um, that's really important. Make sure that you understand your social media platforms. So Instagram, you know, use your hashtags. They say, I think you can have up to 30, but actually I was watching something this morning. He said, you know, you don't need 30. Just use sort of one or two. That'll be fine. Facebook, you don't really use hashtags in Facebook. Um, make sure that you've got your proper hook. So you're hooking people in with those first couple of lines and make sure that you're taking good photos. You don't need a brilliant camera. Just make sure you're taking photos in good light and at the right angle. Um, you know, don't spend ages and ages creating a beautiful piece and then take a rubbish photo really look at how you're taking your photo and take it on the right angle so that if you've drawn a horse the muzzle isn't massive and the ears aren't tiny and vice versa really make sure that you're taking your photo properly um and and look at setting up a website it doesn't cost a huge amount the thing that will cost you probably the the most and even that's not very very expensive is your domain name so look at securing your domain name once you've got your um, your name in fact that's what I would do I would look at it when you're when you're planning on working out what your name is just make sure you can get that domain name as well you can buy that for your website um, because you don't want to have your name and then down the line you're like oh somebody else has got that as a, as a domain and then you might have to change things so that's quite a good idea actually to do right from the beginning um, and sort your sort your head out not yours, not yours personally, but sort your head out, sort your mindset out, make sure that you are, you know, you're working on your confidence, you're working on your mindset, you're working on your self-belief, you're working on the fact that this is what you're going to do and this is what you can do and it's going to work. You will see so many people on social media telling you that you can't do this, that you can't make a living as an artist. So many people and it annoys me. I nearly swore then. It really annoys me because you can make a living as an artist. You can you can do whatever you want to do. If you have the passion and you put the work in, you can do whatever you want to do. And people saying, oh, you know, you can't make a living as an artist, starving artists, all of this kind of stuff. Total and utter rubbish. The reason they're not making a living as an artist is because they're doing the same things over and over again and they're not changing things to make to make more to make it more successful if you like um there are lots and lots of things that you can do there are lots of things that you can research um and 
you can you can make a living absolutely there are yes there's you know things going on and people don't have any money but there are also people who do have money and it's it's out there and you can do it so you know don't 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 take any notice of those people who say you can't do it that self-belief is really really important um okay so hang on I just started drawing and like to know which white pencil marker you can use for portraits. Okay, so this this is a really good one because white pencil, when we're talking coloured pencils, um, white over dark is really hard, nigh on impossible. So when you're working on hot pressed smooth paper, what tends to happen is you, if you want to keep something white, we wouldn't put it in at the end. We would um, isolate that, that highlight and we keep that isolated and clear of pencil basically um there's ways that you can get around it uh, you can use sort of like a slice tool you can use an eraser that sort of stuff um but usually you would kind of isolate it when you're using something like drafting film of course you can use your eraser or your slice tool to kind of bring uh, bring those highlights out again and when we use something like pastel matte which is an abrasive paper uh you can um you can you can get light over dark which is really really brilliant it's one of the most fantastic qualities about pastel map the white pencils that i love the most are carandash museum aquarelle used dry brilliant pencil highly pigmented um highly highly light fast very very good quality pencil and it works really well and i really love the pablo white it's a harder pencil it's velvety uh, you know to feel and actually it feels a little bit more like a a pastel would feel a pastel pencil would feel that's how that's kind of my thoughts on that um they both are very good white pencils and then you have the derwent drawing chinese white again very very good pencil that was a much softer pencil it's got a big fat core um quite good for sort of larger areas that one's a really great pencil to put down as a base to then use your other pencils over the top so that then you can use the slice tool on the top and then the the, the pigment comes out easier when you've got that much softer uh, base underneath um so those are the pencils that i would use i see people using markers i see people using the posca markers personally i wouldn't use the posca white markers uh, they peel off um they 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 don't i've never found them to work particularly well um and i've also found that they've gone a bit yellow as well so um okay so we've got somebody else here would you recommend business courses so i would say that if you are if you're an artist and you're wanting to make a living or business out of what you're doing, one of the biggest areas that is going to be a little bit frustrating if you're if you don't really know how it works is the marketing side of stuff. Um, I think that's really, really important to get your head around. I thought I was pretty good at marketing. I've done a diploma in marketing. I've worked in marketing before. Um when I opened the academy, I was pretty certain I knew what marketing was. Marketing has t has been turned on its head for me with the academy because running a membership is quite a different beast to to anything else really. And the marketing side of stuff, I'm just like, oh my goodness, what what is this? This is just crazy. We're talking funnels, we're talking pipelines, we're talking, um, you know, automations and all of that kind of stuff. And it really, really fried my brain. Um, 
but actually just by doing it and uh, working alongside people who knew what they were doing I now totally understand it what I did was I actually did I did do a course I did the um the tribe course the Stu McLaren tribe course tribe course which was awesome absolutely brilliant anybody who's thinking about doing a membership that is definitely the the course to do i then listened to podcasts so amy porterfield brilliant brilliant podcast she's fantastic um and then i also listened to and i bought into james wedmore business by design um the business by design it's showing you how to set up a business, an online business. And and actually, I knew all of that already because I've, I'd launched the academy and it's doing well. But, but there are certain elements in that course that have been really useful for me to understand and to go back and revisit and listen to how somebody else does it. So I've invested a lot of time and money into understanding how to run my business. Um, so yes, I think I think you know if you don't know something, you don't know something, and you can get an awful lot of stuff for free. You know, you can get all of the information on YouTube or on the internet or whatever for free. Brilliant, but it's not curated. It's not all together. It's not all laid out in a really easy to digest way, and that's why I decided to to invest in these courses to to help me understand how I wanted to run my business. Um, and those resources are out there and they're, they're really, really good, really, really good resources. Um, and I've got something coming up uh, at the beginning of next year, actually, um, which is going to just be for a, 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 well, it's going to be a course that anybody can buy and there's going to be a mastermind alongside it where I'm actually going to be hope, hopefully working with a group of artists who want to really accelerate their business and their success. And that is going to include um, coaching, you know, having your own coach, business coach. Uh, it's going to include going through my my curated course. Um, and it's going to be about kind of really understanding you as a person, how you tick. What's what is it if, if something's going to go wrong? What is it that's going to make you kind of down tools and, and, and head to your bed? Um, you know, and that's that's what my course is going to all be about. Basically, everything that I've been through in the last six years is going into a course. I'm really excited about it, really excited about it. And I'm also there's going to be a book alongside it as well. So um, that is something that I'm just ooh, itching to to really start digging into. Um, so I, I would say there are courses out there. I would highly recommend Stu McLaren's um, course. I don't think you'd be able to get on until next year, but he's got a podcast, which is very good. Um, Amy uh, Amy Porterfield is awesome and James Wedmore as well. Uh, right, let's have a look at some more. Oh, any tips for advertising my work online? I'm struggling to get my portraits out to an audience. Okay, so I, I'd probably have to look at your your social medias to see kind of what it is that's going on i suspect i haven't looked at your i haven't looked at your um social media pages i suspect usually what happens is if you're not getting enough reach i suspect you're using um external links i suspect in facebook you're using lots of uh, hashtags and i also suspect that your content probably isn't personal enough I like to bring a little bit of personality into my content, content, 
content. I like to uh, really um, think about who my audience is and how I can connect with them. That connection is really important. So looking at your values, looking at how you tick as a person, bringing that into your content will then connect with somebody who shares the same values as you. Making sure you've got really, really good photographs um, is is key. Um, making sure that, you know, if your work's good, brilliant. How are you going to improve it? What what um, what development steps are you putting in place to be able to improve your work? Are you just, you know, improving as you draw each one? Are you having, um, you know, lessons from somebody? Are you joining me in the academy? Um, <laughs> are you having critiques regularly? What are you doing to boost your development? Because that's really, really important. Um, and then when it comes to advertising, Facebook advertising, it works. It works. Whatever people say about, oh, um, you know, not using Facebook advertising. If you boost something and you don't put all of the right information in, it's not going to work. It's like anything. If you don't, it's like Esther Hicks says, you know, you can you can put your toast in the toaster and you can put the things down. But if you haven't got the thing plugged in, you're not going to get toast. So you've got to do it properly (laughs) and if you don't know how to create ads then there are places who will be able to create ads for you i use uh fiverr f-i-v-e-r-r um and they have all sorts of different people on there i use them to help with my podcast um editing and creating transcripts and that kind of thing but you have people on there who create facebook ads there might be somebody out there who you can work with who will create something for you or show you how to do it or you can go onto youtube and work out how to create um, you know to to do a Facebook ad the best thing to do is a mixture I find is a mixture of both organic and some advertising as well um, organic I don't think you can beat organic uh, post regularly post really good content um, and just don't stop because sometimes it feels like oh it's just like a grind I'm just posting every day and nobody's seeing anything and blah 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 but you've just got to keep going. You know, those little things will build up and build up and build up. Um, that's exactly what I did. I posted in groups. I tried to get my stuff out there, you know, where anybody could see it. I thought I was doing loads and actually, you know, a minimal amount of people were seeing it. So I think it's just about getting into that mindset of marketing. I need to put my work in front of people and keep going. Um Okay, so we've got a couple here about pricing. So struggle with how much to charge starting out. And then how do I raise my prices without losing all my current clients uh, and some of them who plan to reorder? So struggling with charging straight out, I think is a really important question. And so you'll have some people who say, and, and I am, I'm, I'm kind of in both camps. So when you start out, you don't have a name for yourself, you're not as developed, you might be the most amazing artist, but if nobody knows who you are, then it's going to be a little bit of a struggle. Um, So I would say start out with a price that you feel comfortable with. Okay. Um, I started out at £40 and people were happy to pay that. And I thought, gosh, £40, that's an awful lot. Um, And you know, you might think, well, £40 isn't enough for what for my work. That's absolutely fine. So double it, triple it, you know, whatever you feel comfortable with. If, if you pluck a figure out of the ether and just go, 
actually, I feel okay with that, then brilliant, you know, start there. It could be zero, it could be 100, it could be 500. Whatever, you have to feel comfortable about that price because you've got to have the belief that people are going to pay for it. If I was to say to you, right, I want you to, to, you've just started out, your work's really great, your starting point needs to be 700 pounds. You're likely to go, ooh, okay. And then next time somebody says, how much is a portrait? You're going to go, um... And in your in your body, you're going to feel so uncomfortable saying, well, it's um, well, it's 700 pounds. And that is going to come through with everything that you do. I don't ask me why, but it comes through that that whole non self-belief side of things. Um, So it's pointless you starting, even if it's really, really worth that in somebody's eyes. If you don't have the confidence, people aren't going to buy from you. So you're much better starting off at a lower rate, feeling confident, building it up. And then we're going to this next question. How do you raise your prices without you losing your current clients? What you do is you you raise them on a regular basis. You know, every time you've got a couple of months with your um, books, that are full you raise your prices by 20 percent, or you know whatever um and you keep raising them so after a you, you you don't wait for a year to raise your prices if you've got full books for a year you know you've then got people paying next year the same amount as people were paying this year you keep raising those prices clients who plan to reorder now it's a good idea to have some kind of wording in your terms and conditions and it's a good idea to kind of speak to these clients who want to reorder. Usually what I do is I discount my clients. So I have a client who she's just ordered her sixth piece, sixth or seventh piece. She pays the same amount every single time I do a piece for her. Um, you know, uh, she doesn't pay the the uh, the higher rate. She basically pays 50% of what my portraits are now. Um, and I'm I'm really happy with that because she's she's a good client. She's had six or seven portraits already. Um, I go and take my own photographs, and it's and it's really nice. So that's what I do for that particular client. You don't have to have the same for every single client, um, you know. But it is good to sort of uh, decide what you want to do, and then that's what I'm going to do. It could be that with um, a returning client, you give them a twenty percent discount. Um, it's entirely up to you. It's not wrong to say to a client who you know booked something two years ago and now is coming back and saying oh I want a portrait there's nothing wrong with saying brilliant my prices have risen now um, but I'll give you a 20% discount off my latest price that's okay to do that because as we develop as artists our work gets better and better and they're going to get a better portrait anyway aren't they Um, so don't get too hung up on that um how do we increase visibility outside of Instagram? Okay, so I'm guessing that this is about you getting a bit miffed with social media. So this is a whole different strategy is um, that that sort of, it's almost like the old fashioned way of marketing, isn't it? Where we didn't have social media and we went into pet shops and vets and all of that kind of thing. And all I would say is get your work out there everywhere. Um, you know, put it in the vets, put it in the, in your, local pet store um there's a there's you know get it in a local cafe um try and get it into an art gallery all of those sorts of things but go go out and meet people go and be you know we've got a big pet store here where i live and i don't tend to sort of 
advertise outside of social media I, I tend to find social media works really well for me but there was one point where I was going to go and I was going to set up a little table within the pet store and I was going to be drawing and talking to people who you know maybe were interested in doing a, a portrait or meeting and greeting their dogs or you know something like that uh, that kind of thing you put yourself out there put yourself into a situation where you're going to be surrounded by people who are interested in what you're doing local dog show um you know you'd need to maybe go and do arts art and craft fairs that kind of thing just make sure that you're going out and you're going to be surrounded by customers who are wanting what you're selling and so that is around really looking at the the customer base um you know it's pointless going and taking your pet portraits to um it's not pointless but you know like somewhere that's predominantly needlework because the people who are there are going to be interested in needlework not in pet portraits they might be interested in pet portraits but you know do your research make sure that you you're in front of an audience who actually wants to buy from you um you know the audience they're there they will buy from you when it's right for them um you know so you just need to have you don't need to have cards and leaflets and all of that kind of stuff um but then i would i would ask the question what's going on in instagram what's the what's the issue with instagram is it that you're not getting enough um visibility in there and it could be that you just need to really change your um strategy within instagram and you need to look at changing how you're using it what's my favorite animal um i'd probably have to say a horse i think um i think to draw definitely horses are my favorites i've always loved horses i had my first pony at three um i used to think i was a horse up until i was 10 um so yeah i i definitely say horses followed very very closely behind by dogs um but i love i do love all animals but um for me as a portrait artist i really like domesticated animals i i get an awful lot more um joy from drawing domesticated animals than wild animals bizarrely um i don't know whether that's bizarre or not but yeah i think horse is definitely my my favorites um okay so i think that's probably i think that's probably it i've been going on for ages anyway um so those are those are some um got quite a lot of questions in there that were all very much the same i think um if you are if you're wanting to develop your drawing i think it, it is a, a well i think it's a great idea just to draw basically you know just to pick a picture preferably not off google but some sort of site where you don't have copyright infringements um and and just draw it and just love the process of creating i think that's really really important i think the process of creating rather than trying to get to that end point and the finished bit so you can get on to the next to me that just loses the the absolute joy of of drawing and creating so just enjoy what you're doing you know, if you can't afford really expensive pencils, don't don't worry. Get get yourself some cheaper ones. I've um, I really like the Lyra uh, Rembrandt, um, and I've also looked at the Castle Arts, the Soft Touch. I think they're called. They're pretty good. Um, you'll always find a a range of pencils within a manufacturer that are more are more budget 
pencils and they're still really good they're still really good so if you're thinking oh you know i can't afford this and that and the other just get some cheap ones i wouldn't go for something really cheap like a wh smith um I started out with those and the, the pigment's just not strong enough and they will be very frustrating. So go with something that is sort of like that student grade. Um, go for a paper that is, um, I like, when I first started, I started with the Stonehenge Hot Press Aqua, I think it was. And that's a really nice paper and it's not expensive. You can get it in pad form and it's just a, a good general paper. So something like that is going to work really, really nicely. Don't get hung up on getting everything absolutely perfect. If you're just starting to draw, chances are it's going to take you a little while to get to the stage where you're you're you know you're you're sort of developed enough where you're really really happy with your pieces. That sounds a bit contradictory actually because you should be happy with absolutely everything that you're doing. But the other thing is don't compare yourself to anybody. When you're looking at other people's art, look at it through the eyes of somebody who is inspired. Look at it with the thought that, oh, my goodness, I could do this one day. If I keep working and I keep drawing on a regular basis, this is the this is the place where I can be. This is the place where I will be. And that way you won't then run into the the jealousy and the getting hung up on well mine's not as good as theirs or why can't I do this or you know anything like that you don't want to have those feelings inside you you want that inspiration you want to and surround yourself with fantastic artists surround yourself with people who are positive and brilliant and they put out really great content and really great messaging because what happens is that brilliance rubs off on you and then you start to create obviously we're not copying or anything like that but you can be inspired from people um you know you you'll have a you'll have a favorite artist do they teach you know do they have um you know tutorials that you can you can work from that sort of thing do they offer a service where you can ask them questions or where whether you can have your work critiqued by them it's always worth asking um you know i have I have my free challenges, which are really great. Um, I'll always answer questions. Um, sometimes it's a bit difficult on Facebook. I get so many notifications that I don't always see them. Uh, but I do tend, you know, if people email me or message me or anything, I, I do I do answer people's questions. Um, and, and join me in the academy because, oh, honestly, it's the most fantastic. But I can't tell you the amount of people who joined over the last year who were complete beginners and now are winning competitions and getting their work in galleries and getting regular commission work and and I'm not saying that that's my teaching what I'm saying is it's a community that basically has this this wonderful uh, sort of aspect to it that allows people to grow and allows people to ask questions and allows people just to get on with it and teaches people you know certain techniques and everything to make their work even better but it's just that whole wonderful um sort of community spirit i think that that is that that brings about all of these fantastic development stories um anyway i'm going to stop waffling on now because i'm going to take nelly swimming it's it's wednesday it's nelly's swimming day today um she has she's a very spoiled dog she has um hip dysplasia so she has uh, weekly swimming 
sessions to build up her um her hips and everything so that she's you know nice and strong so that when she gets older hopefully we reduce the risk of um arthritis uh so and it's her favorite favorite time nelly are we going swimming nelly swimming she says you're still talking your computer's still on uh, so we can't possibly be going swimming but we're gonna go swimming nelly oh <laughs> can you swim swimming she's excited She's very excited. She loves the swimming. Um, so, yeah, so I'm going swimming um, with Nelly this afternoon and um, just started a new piece uh, using my new glasses. Oh, my goodness, my new glasses. I'm getting used to them. The only problem is they're um, the uh, arms on the on the glasses are just hurting my ears. So I need to go and get those sorted. But they've got the very focals in them. So I can I can look at the computer and then I can also look at my drawing um, and I can get really, really up close to my drawing now. I can almost put my nose on the on the paper and I can still see the details. Um, so my, they're, they're, I'm, I'm getting used to them and I think I really like them, but I just need them to be a little bit more comfortable. Um, yeah, so that's it from me. Um, thank you for listening to my uh, waffling. Uh, hope you hope you're you are enjoying my podcast if you are enjoying my podcast do do leave me a review or um you know i'd love to love to get some more reviews let me know you know that you're you're listening to them and um i think we're back to normal next week i've got some really great interviews coming up um brilliant one with with a friend of mine and i think we've left in the bit where i talked about choking on a mcdonald's so that's um that's probably one to um to listen to anyway um thank you all for listening and i'll see you all very soon i really hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of my it's a bonnie old life podcast if you did i'd be so grateful to you for emailing me or texting a link to the show or sharing it on social media with those you know who might like it too My mission with this podcast is all about sharing mine and my community's experience and hope by telling your fascinating personal stories, championing the other amazing humans in my personal, professional and membership community and to create another channel through which I can support you to realise your coloured pencil and life dreams. If you haven't done so yet, please help me on my mission to spread positivity and joy throughout the coloured pencil world by following me on my socials at Bonnie Snowden Academy or by getting on my list at bonniesnowdenacademy.com. And remember, I truly believe if I can live the life of my dreams doing what I love, then you can too. We just need to keep championing and supporting each other along the way in order to make it happen. Till next time.